This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. So today we finish a series we started uh, a month ago uh, out of 1 John. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 5. Uh, We are finishing this today Uh, speaking on blessed assurance. And we should always take an offering right after singing a hymn. That's what I tell them. You get that going right away. Those senior adults are like, take me there. I am there, and I'm already going to get the letter. We need more of that in church. But I hope that the song of your heart today is, this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. And you've heard me share this before. There are going to be those in heaven you didn't expect to see there. And there's also going to be people that didn't expect to see you there. (laughs) And today, across this campus and online, there are three three people that are here, three groups of people uh, among us today and and in this room and across campus. And we want to talk to each one today. There are those who are secure in their salvation, but not sure. And they've struggled with doubt. And it's one of the reasons we did this series. Our desire for this series was so that you may know, believer in Christ Jesus, that you can walk with confidence in your salvation. But then there are those in this room, and and I'll be honest with you, these are the ones that that keep me up at night. Those who are sure. They're like, hey, I go to church, and I've been here for a while, and I live my life however I want to live it, and they, they think because of something they prayed maybe years ago or something that, they, that I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure, I think I'm sure, uh, but not secure. We, we, this is the one we don't want you to hear one day, depart from me, workers of iniquity, I never knew you. But here's what we want, and this, and this is many, the many, the song in your heart already is this third group. And many of you can sing that song we just sang with passion and conviction. There are those who are secure. They have placed faith alone in Christ alone. They know of their salvation and they're sure of it. Jesus is the source of their salvation and the source of their assurance. They're trusting in no one else and nothing else for their salvation. I was last week on a trip with my daughter and we ended it in Tampa. And so Monday morning... Woke up and the Tampa Marriott Club opened at 6.30. And some of you are like, oh, big deal, goes to a club. It's powdered eggs and fake bacon, so don't get all excited. Uh, But I was going to be the first one in there at 6.30. And I walk in there. My family tells me that I I sing a lot in public without even knowing it. And I I, I do know it because I'll be in a store and in an aisle. I think I'm by myself. And I'll be singing and someone walks down the aisle and be like, oh, sorry. And I'll stop. And they'll be like, hey, don't stop for me. but I, I obviously walked into this club, and, and I have a voice that carries. I wasn't, like, humming this song. I, with a stage presence, was singing Blessed Assurance <laughs> at full strength, thinking I was alone. And a lady walks out of the back room and begins harmonizing with me. <laughs> and I went, oh, it was kind of shocking as I'm getting these powdered eggs. And, and, and I stopped. She goes, don't stop. Y'all, we sang the first verse and chorus of blessed assurance together in the club and when we finished she goes honey you know this one and we sang together we sang together what a friend we have in Jesus the problem was she was singing Aretha Franklin's version 
And I was singing Alan Jackson's version, but we made it work. That's all I'm trying to tell you. This is 6.30 in the morning, and I mean, the joy in that room. And I go, ma'am, I've never had this happen, like word for word. And uh, she said this. Ah, this has been my sacred echo all week. She goes, I've always believed if you have a song in your heart, you'll never have a bad day. So I added Rice Krispies to my breakfast. <laughs> I was, I was eating. And I, people, other people started coming in. I'm like, we should probably be done with this right now. Uh, and when I left, I looked at her. I said, man, oh, by the way, this lady works for Merritt, has worked for Merritt for 27 years. And I just wonder what joy she has brought to that room or wherever she has been stationed. And as I'm leaving, I look at her. I go, ma'am, have a good day. She goes, already am. <laughs> you know, that is, that is, that's our prayer at this church, that you would leave here today able with the song in your heart to sing, this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. And so here's where we start today. What God says about me is more important than what I feel about myself. And we want you to have assurance of your salvation, not because of what you're feeling, but because what God says, and that you take his testimony and his word for it. Now, this is what we do in counseling all the time. People come in with feelings driving the bus, and they're not feeling this or feeling that. And it's one of the greatest joys if you do any sort of ministry with people, whether it's marriage ministry, family ministry, working people through trauma, or maybe a divorce, whatever the situation may be, you find yourself listening to these people talk about lies, lies, lies that have been written on their heart that they believe and that they move forward in. And we get to declare the truth, what the truth is. A man once came to D.L. Moody and said he was worried because he didn't feel saved. Moody asked, was Noah safe in the ark? Certainly he was, the man replied. Well, what made him safe, his feeling or the ark? The inquirer got the point. He said, how foolish I've been. It's not my feeling. It is Christ alone who saves. And that is where I am resting today. And that's why when we worship, I need you to know this. I know we sang a hymn today. We sang more modern worship songs. And, and I appreciate all the work that Katie and Matt and the team do with our worship each and every week. Because I need you to know, they labor over songs. We discuss songs and lyrics because... The goal of worship is not just to stir our affections. It's not just to stir our emotions. It's to stir our affections with truth. To stir our affections toward Christ, not just toward what we're feeling. And so we want worship in, in truth being stirred in us. And so that's where we're going today as we start with 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. And it couldn't be any more clear. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. This takes you back to what John recorded in the interaction between Nicodemus and Jesus in the gospel of John chapter 3. What did Jesus say? If you want to see the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. If you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. And here it is again. What, is it, what does it take to be born of God, to become a child of God, to be called a son or daughter of God? You must believe that Jesus is the Christ. You must have faith and trust in Jesus. No one else, nothing else. Jesus is the source of your salvation. And then it says everyone, he says, everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. 
So you're going to see these three linked today. Your faith in Jesus, love for the Father, and we looked at this two weeks ago, our love and care for and enduring and bearing with one another. We are called to this. And my love for you and your love for me and the way we interact with one another is the overflow of this salvation. We need to know, though, loving one another is an act of obedience, not feelings. You do a lot in your life that you don't feel. How many of you got up and went to work this week and didn't feel like it? Raise your hand. Okay, yeah. You do the right thing, as Gary Smalley taught us, to always do the right thing. Let your feelings catch up. Because if we lived our lives with, I'm not going to do I don't feel like, no, we went to work even when we didn't feel like it. How many of you got up and fed a baby in the middle of the night and didn't feel like it? You do the right thing all the time without feeling it. Uh, how about this one? We, we grew up in homes, right? If you had good parents, your parents told you how to behave toward another sibling. And they would say, hey, don't hit your brother. And you had to obey that. Whether you felt it or not, the feeling was, I'm going to punch him in the face. And he had it coming, and he deserves it. But you obey your parents. Here, one last one. We're in tax season. You need to pay your taxes. There's not a person in here that feels like paying their taxes. If you were to tell me you look forward to that, I would stab you in the neck with a fork because you're lying. <laughs> it's not true. You do the right thing. You obey when you don't feel it. And we don't love others based on how they treat us. We love others because it's been commanded by God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. We also don't love others based on how they respond to our love. Why add that? Well, because a lot of people started, I did the right thing. I said the right thing. I showed them love. They didn't reciprocate. I'm done with them. Nope. <laughs> I continue to show love. We move into verses 2 and 3 of 1 John 5. This is how we know that we love the children of God. Now watch how this is linked. By loving God and carrying out his commands. This is an act of obedience. It's an overflow of our salvation. Obedience is it's not of works that we're saved. We'll see in just a minute. It's, this isn't the, the source of our salvation. It's the overflow of our salvation. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And we need to know this today. This is the fundamental truth we need to know as we build upon this for our assurance. His commands are not burdensome. They don't weigh us down. They actually do just the opposite. They free us. God's commands lift burdens and bring joy. But are you always feeling that? Do you, do you believe that? Going one step further... God command, bring freedom to the believer. So let's jump in. Let's give an example of this in Ephesians from Paul for just a second. Let's look at what really brings us into bondage, right? Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. This is what weighs you down. And some of you right now are weighed down by this. You're, you, you got resentment and bitterness in your heart towards someone. You've had it for a long time. You're not free, you're like, yeah, but boy, you should see some of the fights I have with them and in my head. I win every single one of them. That's, that's bitterness and resentment. Rage and anger, brawling. Some of you have gone to fisticuffs with people over there. Slander. I'm just going to go online. I'm going to say whatever I want about them, whether it's true or not, along with every form of mouth. This is what weighs you down. When we follow the commands of God, this is what actually frees us. 
and keeps us walking in the light. It goes on to say in verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. One quote that uh, I read this week that, I mean, fits this, that helps us understand this freeing that comes with obeying the command to love one another. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that that prisoner was you. Some of you are in the bondage and the rage and the anger and the malice, the slander, the bitterness, the resentment weighing you down. here's, Here's where we start today, and you have to understand this if feelings have been driving the bus when it comes to assurance of your salvation. God wants what's best for you. He wants what's best for you. We understand this as a parent, right? I, I'm, I promise you this. No parent in this church got up last night and looked at the other parent and said, you know, tomorrow, let's, what, whatever we can do to make their lives miserable, let's do that. Today was pretty good. They whined a little bit, but I think we can turn it up a notch. And let's just make their life. There's no parent doing that. Some of you are like, you don't know my parents. I promise you, and this is why I see it all the time, right? Something your parents are saying or doing when you're young, you years later look back and go, wow, they were smarter than I thought. They really did have my best interest in mind. I had a counselor in the church come up to me after the last gathering, and I loved it. I appreciated her heart saying, Ted, I work with a lot of people who feel weighed down, and they're going to take this statement, God wants what's best for you after what they've been through, whether it be divorce or a trauma, and be like, he, 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 he wants that for me? Listen, listen, God wants what's best for you. He, he, you know, I went through a terrible divorce. God, God doesn't, God didn't want that divorce. He, 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 the brokenness in the relationship, the brokenness in the world, but guess what? Don't live in, he wants what's best for you. Moving forward, you're not done. You've heard people say it all the time. If you, your story is not done being written. God wants what's best, just like a parent wants what's best for a child. Years ago, we got a letter home from school. I don't know what the sickness was going on, but something was going on, and there was a preventive medicine that your kids could take that uh, would take care of this, knock it out before it ever happened. And so Amy went and bought it for the kids and set up the little shots on the counter, and it was it was nasty. Like it was chalky and we're sitting there looking at it and our kids were small. Corinne and Carson are going, I don't want, I mean, they're whining and they're complaining. And, and Amy and I go, you got to take it, you got to take it. They would not take it. They just sat there. You know, if you've got kids do that, sit there and look at medicine forever. And, and I was so, I finally left the room. I'm like, Amy's just going to have to deal with this. Uh, (laughs) That's some of the parenting I'll teach you next week of of, uh, when to get out of there. All I know is Amy was trying everything she could to convince them, this is good for you. This is good for you. Even the trials that we go through, you can learn from this, you can grow from this, but she's trying to convince them, you can, you got to do this. They won't listen. You know what? And only as Amy Cunningham could do, you know what? I, I'm in the other room listening. I hear Amy say these words. This is what got them to take the medicine. She, she looks at him. She's exasperated. Take it, take it. I don't want to take it. I don't want to take it. And then I hear her with an exasperated voice going, you want worms coming out of your butt? And both of our kids, like Wyatt Earp at the Tombstone Saloon, went like, I mean, they took what was given to them. I, I, I'm sorry. I, 
There are people right now going, I brought my grandma for the first time to this church. Today is her first day here. Why is this important? Do you believe God? Do you believe the testimony of God? Do you believe that his commands are not burdensome? This is important because we're not just resting on Jesus as the source of our salvation. What God says about Jesus and our salvation is important. And to rest on that testimony. So let's jump to verse 4. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. Why is this so important? We know, if you know this, and if you're going through a tough time right now, God wants what's best for me, read all the way to the end of the book. We know how the story ends. We know how the story ends. That's why we know and can rest and have assurance. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that has overcome the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God, period. So the bottom line, you can know you have eternal life because God says you have it. Not your feelings, but your conviction, your understanding, your belief. God said it, I believe it. God says it, I'm walking in it. Now, when we go to verses 6 through 10, it's very important as we jump into this that you understand the background of this and like why this is worded the way it's worded. And in that day, there was a false teacher who taught that Jesus became the Christ at his baptism, but that was removed from him right before he went to the cross. It's, an, it's important to have that understanding as you read these next verses because he, we are declaring Jesus, we don't even believe in the incarnational sonship of Christ. Jesus didn't become the son of God at his birth. He was there at the foundations of the earth. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so John's being very clear. Know who Jesus is. Be clear. And so it'll make sense now when you read, this is the one who came by water and blood. Water referring to his baptism, blood referring to his death on the cross, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only. Like he, that, so he's clearing that up. But by water and blood, meaning on the cross, Jesus, the Son of God, died for you. For, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That you have eternal life and you are sure of it. And it is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. And he clears this up even more. For there are three that testify. So all three of these are together. The Spirit, the water. We have human historical account of the baptism of Jesus. The blood. We have human historical accounts of the crucifixion. And the three are all in agreement. We accept human testimony, but watch this. But God's testimony is greater because it, because it is the testimony of God which he has given about his son. Whoever believes in the son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his son. And Timothy Keller puts it this way, and maybe this will settle it for some of you who have struggled with doubt and the assurance of your salvation. Timothy Keller says in The Reason for God, Belief in an Age of Skepticism, it is not the strength of your faith, but the object of your faith that actually saves you. Strong faith in a weak branch is fatally inferior to weak faith in a strong branch. 
In other words, we look to the quality of our faith when we need to be looking to Jesus, the one who saves us. An elderly man once came to Henry Ironside and said, I will not go on unless I know I'm saved. I want a definite witness, something I can't be mistaken about. Ironside replied, suppose you had a vision of an angel who told you your sins were forgiven. Would that be enough to rest on? The guy said, yes, I think it would be. An angel should be right. Ironside continued, but suppose on your deathbed, Satan came and said, I was that angel. I was that angel transformed to deceive you. What would you say then? The man was speechless. Ironside then told him that God has given us something more dependable than the voice of an angel. He has given us his son who died for our sins. And he has testified in his own word that if we trust him, all our sins are gone. Ironside then read 1 John 5, 13, which we'll get to in a moment. You may know that you have eternal life. Again, that's written to believers, that you may know you have eternal life. Then he said, is that enough to rest on? It is a letter from heaven expressly to you. God's Spirit used that to bring assurance that day to that man's heart. We do not earn eternal life. We receive it. Why? Because it is a gift. It is a gift, and we need to understand as we move to the last three verses we're going to look at today, starting in verse 11, and this is the testimony. Here it is. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Romans 6.23 puts it this way, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's not to be earned. You don't earn a gift. You receive a gift. And there are those in here and across campus today in all of our gatherings and online who you are trusting in everything else it's like Jesus and. And, and, and you, you say it. You say, I, I come to church all the time. This has got to be what it takes. And you hear us say it all the time. Standing in a, car, in a garage doesn't make you a car. Sitting in a church doesn't make you a Christian. Ted, I give. Certainly that's it. Ted, my parents were believers. Ted, I was baptized as a child. We call all of this salvation by addition Salvation by subtraction. Salvation by addition is, Ted, just let me tell you about all the good things I've done. Salvation by subtraction is like, let me tell you all the things I've walked away from, the people I've walked away from, the addictions I've walked away from, the lifestyles I've walked away from. And let me tell you, salvation doesn't come by addition. Salvation doesn't come by subtraction. Salvation comes by Jesus and Jesus alone, period. And that's why we read in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Again, it's this gift. It's not from yourselves. Whatever you're pointing to, I want you to denounce all of that today. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that you cannot boast about it. And we end in 1 John 5, 13. I write these things to you, John says, who believe. So it's writing to believers who are secure in Christ Jesus to give them assurance of their salvation and eternal life. Those who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you're secure and sure 
that you have eternal life. And this is what we want for every single person leaving here today. Secure in Christ Jesus, you have repented of your sins. You have denounced all the ways you've held to. And today you're saying there's no one else and nothing else other than Jesus that I cry out to for my salvation. I receive this gift today. And then I rest in Jesus and God's testimony about Jesus for the assurance of my salvation so that the song in your heart, whether you sing it in public or not, is this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. What I love about this, if you keep reading, we don't have time today to do it, but if you keep going in 1 John chapter 5, you're going to see that the assurance of your salvation brings great confidence. It'll bring confidence to your prayer life. And that's why I love going back to my friend in Tampa. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. So how do I know for sure, Ted, that I'm saved from my sin? How do I know for sure that heaven is my home? How can I be certain that I want this? The assurance of your salvation doesn't come from anything you do. You can't earn it. You can only receive it. It's not from your feelings. And we've learned that, if anything. Our feelings come and go. You don't have to suppress your feelings. Just don't let your feelings drive the bus in all of this. Know the truth. Don't move toward mysticism where you're looking for signs and, and, and even angels to... No, go with God's word. Go with the testimony God has of his son for the assurance of your salvation, trusting in no one and nothing else. And you know when... We offer baptisms, we do this often, and we're doing it again today where we offer spontaneous baptisms. You did not get up this morning planning to be baptized at church. You're like, I brought nothing and my hair is nice and done. We always have clothes available, and several did this after the first gathering, that they weren't planning on it, but they walked over to the chapel right after. Some were in the chapel, but some left from here, walked over to the chapel, we gave them clothes to change into so you can get back into the clothes you're in now and be dry on the way home. Maybe you're going to go to Cracker Barrel with a wet head, and when they go, what's going on? You not have time to dry your hair? Start singing, this is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. That today would be the day that you can proclaim, I have, I have trusted completely in Jesus. And I, I am denouncing everything I've held to for salvation up to this point. Ways that I thought were going to get me in and get me to become a child of God. All of the works, I denounce all of that. I repent of my sins. Everything that leads to destruction, I repent of it. And I turn to the only one who saves. And I cry out, and the Bible says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That you would turn your eyes upon Jesus today and trust in him. I'm going to pray. And when I'm done praying and as we close out, I'm going to encourage you just to right where you're at, get up. Everybody's going to be scattering. Some's going to be going to the parking lot. Others may stop by the chapel uh, to cheer you on and to encourage you. But as I pray, and you've never accepted Jesus as Savior, you've never repented of your sins and trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that today would be the day of your salvation. Remember, baptism is an act of obedience. 
It's something we do not to be saved, but something we do as a first step of obedience. It's making an outward profession of an inward decision. It's proclaiming. It's stepping into the water. And when you do it, you're pointing to Jesus and saying, He is the one who has saved me. And it's declaring that to family, friends, and to the church. And if today is the day of your salvation and you want to be baptized, we invite you to just step up and head over there at the end of this service. Would you pray with me? Father, uh, we have so desired in this series for people to trust in Jesus as Savior. Uh, it can be very overwhelming in a church our size with the um, faith backgrounds and traditions represented here each week uh, to get a lot of questions and a lot of back and people just confused on the issue of salvation that we hope there's great clarity today that people would see this is a gift this is grace that saves us through faith. And so we just pray people receive this free gift and no longer count on their works. And that after salvation, their love for you and the children of God, it's just stirred. Their affections for the church are stirred. Their desire to obey your word is stirred as they grow in their new faith. And as many take the step today to step into the water and declare their decision to follow Jesus. We thank you for what you continue to do in this church. Continue to use Woodland Hills, uh, whether it be in song or in word or actions, as we go out that we're declaring, this is my story, this is my song. And with everything we say and everything we do, we're praising our Savior each and every day throughout this town. We're grateful for it. We pray all this in the authority of the name of Jesus. And everyone agreed and said,